At number 60, and at a 15 seed, I have the Ivy League. The Ivy League was able, like they're so commonly able to do, it seems, in the last decade plus, pulled off an upset, not just one, but multiple, as 15-seeded Princeton danced their way into the second weekend. And the ironic thing about that is I was trying to find Cinderella before she was at the ball, and she was right in front of my very eyes. I watched Princeton twice. Both times I picked against them. I didn't think this team would win the conference tournament until I saw them the second time. I started coming around towards it. Um, but yeah, was out on Princeton last year. What do you know? They end up being the Cinderella, not Colgate, not Marshall, not any of the soak. I mean, I guess Furman did, you know, get one win. But the real Cinderella that got to continue to march on to that Sweet 16 right in front of my very eyes, and I guess I just wasn't paying enough attention. I have Yale in a tier of their own in this league and should win this conference this year at two to five. I have the next tier, Cornell, Brown, Princeton, Penn. What's important about all four of those teams being in the same tier is that assuming Yale is in the conference tournament, only three of those other four can qualify for the conference tournament. Just the top half of the league gets to make it to the conference postseason, and then you just got to win two games to punch your ticket to the NCAA tournament. After them in the next tier, I've got Dartmouth and Harvard. A proud program that has fallen off in the past couple of seasons. I look for that to continue even this next year. Dartmouth and Harvard at 6-7. and seven. And then lastly, in a tier of their own, as they so commonly are, they'll be very close to my apartment. I imagine I'll attend a few games. Columbia, the Lions, I've got dead last at eight. Yale, I have in a tier of their own. Last year, they finished tied with Princeton. Up at the top of this conference at 10 and 4. They only lose their third and sixth leading scorers from an eight man rotation. EJ Jarvis, 11 point, five and a half rebound, one and a half blocks. He's gone. Isaiah Kelly, 6.4 board a game guy. He's also gone. But they bring back four other double figure scorers in Mabang and Mahoney, in Polakaitis, in Noling. All four of those guys averaged between 10.5 to 14 points a game last season. This team was very balanced in their top five leading scorers, all averaging within that range, and four of them are back. One of them, Mahoney, shot 47% from three last year. Polakaitis shot 40% from three last year. So those two can certainly more than beat you from the perimeter. Losing Jarvis inside they're going to have to replace them with some unproven's, but their guard play and those four scores that I talked about, they're either 6 foot 4 or 6 6, so very interchangeable, but can they get some interior presence to make up for the losses inside? They'll certainly need to if they want to be a team in a tier of their own like I've got them projected to be in this conference. At number 2, I've got Cornell the Big Red, a team that loves to play fast, team that loves to shoot the three ball. They only lose, out of their top eight scorers, their first and ten leading, or excuse me, their first leading score. Bring back their second to eight leading scorers. Greg Dolan gone, averaged 13 points a game, but Chris Mannon is back. 
extremely assertive, aggressive player. Averaged 11 points a game last year. Nazir Williams averaged 13 last year. Shot at 42% from three. He will be back. Couple guys, three guys that averaged about nine points a game. And Isaiah Gray and Sean Hansen and Guy Ragland Jr. So five of six that averaged 8.7 or more are all back for this Cornell team. Now, they did go 500 in league play last year. They disappointed me after I had high expectations for them after knocking off my Colgate boys in non-conference play. But with the continuity that they possess, I look for this team to step up in this next season and be in the two slot in the Ivy League. And if you're at the two... You're, of course, going to be playing in that conference tournament. Just got to win two games to punch your ticket to the dance. Brown, who finished T4 last year but lost the tiebreaker to Cornell, did not get a play in that conference tournament. I have them at third this season. They lost their second leading scorer, Paxson Wojcik, transferred. He averaged 15 points a game, seven boards, three assists. Pretty big loss losing Wojcik. Also, Dan Friday gone, averaged eight points, four boards, three assists a game last year for him. But they bring back a ton of the rotation outside of that. Six of their eight leading scorers are back, including their leader, Keno Lilly Jr., 17 points a game, shooting 40% from three last year. And they have a near double-double guy inside that averaged 10 and eight, along with Anya, who averaged eight and six also inside. So when you talk about a Yale team, that lacks inside presence potentially, at least lacks proven inside presence. Can Brown make them pay on the interior with outside of Lilly, that being their strength? I look for this Brown team to finish third in the Ivy. They were 500 a year ago. Princeton I've got dropping off. Despite returning six of their top nine scorers, they lose their two leaders in Langborg and most importantly, Tosan Evwoman. And that's why I have them dropping off so much. I mean, this team still lost four Ivy League games in 14 contests. They weren't unbeatable, despite being able to make a run to the Sweet 16 and being able to knock off um, Arizona. They were a lethal shooting team last year. They should still be this year. Devin Austin shot 58% from three. He's back. Only averaged six points a game, but shot 58%. Blake Peters. Only six-point-per-game guy, but he shot 40% from three. He lit up a couple threes against Cornell, was a double-figure scorer in the game that I saw them. Also watched them beat Penn by 12 at Penn. Uh, But losing Ev Bowman, he was such a unique player in how versatile he was. Six foot seven, but an unbelievable passer, orchestrated the offense despite being six seven. 15 points, six and a half boards, Five assists a game. That's why I have this team at fourth. Is not just the loss of Langberg, not just the loss of Kelman, their fifth leading scorer, but mainly Ebba Woman. Six of their top nine, though, are returning. Bunch of rotational pieces back. That's why this Tigers team should still be dangerous under coach Mitch Henderson now in his 13th season. And you know they're going to be coming off a lot of momentum, the excitement of making the Sweet 16 last year. At number five, I've got Penn, the Quakers, losing Jordan Dingle. I mean, maybe a bigger loss than Princeton's Ebba Woman. Offense certainly ran through him. Averaged nearly 23.5 points per game last year. 
They bring back, though, their second leading scorer. Clark averaged 13 and a half, three boards. Nick Spinoza insides also back. He was their fourth leading scorer last year, nine points, five and a half boards. Really good passer as well, averaged three assists a game despite being six foot nine. Um, this isn't a league, the Ivy League, with, you know, as elite as these academic institutions are. They got to replace guys with freshmen. They aren't bringing many transfers into the program. So losing Jordan Dingle, a guy that accounted for so much of your offense, I see Penn, despite them finishing third last year in the Ivy League, on the outside looking in when it comes to making the conference tournament. But who knows, maybe Steve Donahue can say otherwise. Um, Dartmouth, I have in a tier below that grouping of four. I've got it six. They lose their leading scorer, also lose their sixth leading scorer. So a decent amount of continuity, bringing back their second to fifth, also their seventh to twelfth leading scorers, the rotational guys all back. So a lot of continuity on a team that was six and eight, that was just one game out of being in the tiebreaker. Maybe I'm a little silly for putting this team, you know, in a tier below those other top four, and Dartmouth may very well be in that top four with what they bring back. However, I've got them here at six. think they're a step below those four, Penn, Princeton, Brown, and Cornell. At number seven, I've got Harvard, and it's crazy to be talking about Harvard as the seventh place team in the Ivy, but losing Chris Ledlam, losing Trey Tout. You know, I mean, they lose their, their three leading scorers, five of their top six, only bring back their fourth and seven leading scorers. So unless the freshmen are just unbelievable and I'm, you know, not prepared for that, then this Harvard team should be back at the bottom of the Ivy League yet again. They finished seventh last year. And when you lose five of your top seven, how can you expect any improvement? Harvard has to be thankful for Columbia, though. Columbia went 2-12 and last year in the Ivy League. However, they do bring back everyone. They bring back everyone in their rotation, so you would think returning everybody, surely you'll be better. Surely you can't be worse. I watched this team lose by 29 at home to Penn last year. They were pretty abysmal, so I've still got them at 8 but with the continuity, you can expect them to be better and probably not the doormat that they were in the past to where maybe they win four or five conference games and you got to be a little bit more worried when you're playing this team than you have been previously. That will conclude my Ivy League recap. I've got Yale in a tier of their own. They should win this conference, but the battle for making the conference tournament will be very fun. I've got Cornell, Brown, and Princeton as my remaining teams, but Penn and Dartmouth could both be right there in the hunt as well.